Welcome to Grow Chats 2020, short chats about the Bible, prayer, songs, books and life. Use this chat to prompt a conversation with someone in your life. Today's episode is our third song chat from Hebrews with Mia and Mindy. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss further episodes. Hi, welcome to our song chat on Hebrews chapter 3. I'm Melinda Smith, or Mindy, and today I'll be talking to Mia Huang. Mia and I have the joy of serving God together in the church family and on the staff team at Ann Street Presbyterian Church. Hi, Mia. Hi, Mindy. Can you tell us a little about your role here at Ann Street? Yep, so I'm currently serving as the music coordinator at Ann Street. I just moved up here January this year. Can you tell us what brought you up to the Sunshine stage from Canberra? <laughs> yep, so I finished my Bachelor of Music in our bush capital, Canberra. And at the start of this year, I began my Master's of Music at the Queensland Conservatorium. So now I'm here. Great. Before we dive into Hebrews chapter 3 and focus particularly on singing, it would be great to get to know you a little bit, Mia, and to hear a bit about your background and about how you came to know Jesus. So I come from a Chinese background and a family of atheists. And my mom and I lived by ourselves in Canberra for the last 12 years. For us, God just wasn't relevant because we were just so used to relying on our own strength and our own ability to manage our own lives. But as we were doing that, we didn't realize that there was just deep, deep unrest in our hearts because we were constantly being thrown around by the turmoil in our lives. We had a lot of family um, tension and there was just no peace in the house, really. The turning point came for us in 2014 when a sudden illness hit me and my mom just realized that she was not in control and I wasn't in control and she really needed something greater than herself. And so out of that desperate need, she grabbed onto Christianity when a friend told her about Jesus. And she did this even though she didn't actually know what the gospel was about. I eventually got out of hospital, um, but things didn't actually improve for us because I was still unwell. And my mom actually ended up with the same illness as me. So she questioned why Jesus didn't fix all our problems. And this actually led her to search the Bible and to wrestle with God in prayer. And it was through this that God revealed to her who he truly was and why we needed Jesus. Through this process, I began to see the change in my mom's life. As Jesus was shining through her, um, she became more gentle and more caring towards me. And I just started to wonder how this tough and anxious woman could be transformed into someone who was so gentle and joyful, even in the midst of terrible darkness. And she spoke the gospel to me in a way that explained why she was acting the way she was. It was because she realized that he came to give us true life and that our greatest problem wasn't illness, but it was sin and death. And so now that she was saved and she knew eternal salvation, nothing could take away that peace from her anymore. And she wanted this for me as well. But I was still quite hard-hearted and I didn't want God to come into my life until one day God spoke to me personally. And he made me realize that I had just been pushing him away all this time. And so I said, I was sorry. And I heard his reassurance of it's okay. And my heart was just softened by him at that moment. As I saw that his love pursued me and I saw how faithful he was, even when I was faithless. And he never gave up on me. 
it's quite a funny story actually because when my mom got baptized I stood there thinking you know I'm really happy for you mom but this thing is never going to be for me but half a year later in March 2015 I was in the same place getting baptized myself. Wow thanks so much for sharing that with us Mia. It's always so encouraging to hear how Jesus works in people's lives to bring them to faith and to true life in him. And really, that's a fantastic springboard for us uh, to look at how Jesus is described in the first six verses of our chapter today. I might just do a quick recap. Uh, In verses one to six, we read that Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who brings us near to God. He's our apostle sent from God. He's God's faithful son, and he's the promised Messiah or Christ. And as such, he is worthy of greater honour and praise than even Moses, the esteemed prophet of the Old Testament, who God used to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt. These first few verses tell us a little about ourselves too. We are brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. And so we are to fix our thoughts on Jesus. We have every reason to hold firmly to our confidence and hope of glory in him because Jesus is faithful. The terms in which Jesus is spoken of in the first part of the chapter really set us up to listen to and trust and follow him. And understanding just who Jesus is helps us to make sense of the strong warning that comes in the next section. This passage gives us a real insight into what's going on in our hearts when we go astray from or disobey God's words in our lives. It almost lays out a bit of a flow chart for us. The deceitfulness of sin leads to unbelief, which leads to a hardening of our hearts, which leads to disobedience, which leads to judgment. Because sin is deceitful, we don't immediately recognise when we're being lured away from God's truth into believing lies or fearing something other than God. Mia, what are some common warning signs in your life that your heart is growing hard and that you've perhaps turned away from trusting in God's truth? Mindy, I absolutely agree with you on sin's deceitfulness because I've noticed for myself that when my heart drifts away from God, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens rather slowly, step by step, as I allow small things to take over my world and I forget about God. A good indicator for me is anxiety and stress. I'm the kind of person that struggles to stay still. And this means that I can just easily allow things of the world to fill up my heart. So my schedule is often quite full with my study, with practice, with hanging out with friends and even with ministry stuff. And the deceitfulness about this is that they're all seemingly good things, but sin uses that. And it deceives me into drifting away from the ultimate source of goodness and who I should be trusting. And so when I'm detached from this source, I start to, you know, think that I can do this, but that leads to all sorts of problems because I actually can't and things go wrong and I start to lose trust in God and his voice then just doesn't come through anymore. And so this has made me realize that when our heart is hardened towards God, our soul is actually at war. There is no rest for our soul. And it's only God who can give us rest. And we really need to hear his voice and come to Jesus. But this is when we come back to the top of the chapter in verse 6, and we're reminded that Jesus is faithful. 
And we need to hold firmly to our confidence in him because he holds on to us. Yeah, verse 6 and verse 14 both highlight that real necessity to persevere. This listening that you were talking about, believing, repenting, obeying, it's not a once-off experience, is it? It's something that we have to repeat over and over again. And that's how we hold fast to our confidence and our hope. Sometimes I find this to be quite hard work, can be tiring, sometimes even discouraging uh, in the face of failure or suffering or injustice. I just love how the writer of Hebrews understands this. He knows that these Jewish Christians and us too can't do it on their own and that this is a task that requires daily encouragement. Mia, don't you just love how the writer doesn't tell us what not to do, which is to not harden our heart to God's word, as it says in verse 12, but he positively tells us what to do. In verse 13, he tells us how we can recognise sin for what it is, how we can keep our hearts soft to God's word and trusting in him. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just this real purpose to the way Hebrews 3 calls us to encourage one another. And this is not so that we can feel better, but it's so that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I love that we get to talk about this passage in a song chat. It's very fitting, really. Mia, can you tell us a little about um, some ways that other Christians encourage you not to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness? I've been encouraged by many other mature Christian women in my life who show me what it's like to live for Jesus and to keep my eyes fixed on him. So, in fact, Catherine York, uh, who did the last song chat, meets up with me at Queensland Con every week to read the Bible. She is full of gold and full of wisdom. So if you haven't listened to her previous song chat, you might like to check that out. Aside from that, as you mentioned, Mindy, um, it's very fitting that we talk about encouragement here in our song chat because singing together in a congregation is an absolutely wonderful way for Christians to encourage each other because it's a part of the service where everyone participates and we're interacting with God as a body of believers who share in Christ. And we're feeding off each other with our exhortations and encouragements. So when we sing about God and to God, his truths are being repeated to us and ingrained in our minds. And through that, our hearts can also be softened. And when we do sing from our hearts, it's not only us who are being transformed, but we're actually also encouraging others through the way we worship God. So there's really this multidimensional involvement going on here because we are giving our voice to God. We are giving our voice to each other to encourage others to sing. But at the same time, we're receiving God's truth and we're also receiving encouragement from our brothers and sisters as they sing alongside us. You're so right, Mia. I can think of some really specific times when I've been so encouraged by people in our church family through their singing. There's a nine-year-old Indonesian boy in our traditional service who sings the hymns with his whole heart and it's just beautiful. There's a group of young intellectually impaired men who are part of our 1030 service who come along to church. It's hard for them to have much conversation, but yet they lift their voices to praise God and to express their unity with us when they sing. 
I think of times too when I've looked around church and seen and heard people singing who I know are in times of intense suffering and in the midst of their circumstances, they're proclaiming God's goodness and kindness in song. When I see these people trusting God and expressing joy and hope in him in their various stages of life, I'm encouraged not just by the words of the song and the beautiful music it's set to, but also by their faith expressed in song. In this way, singing together is really a visible, audible reminder to me of God's goodness and faithfulness, and that strengthens my own trust and joy in him. That's incredibly beautiful, Mindy, and that just shows us how worshipping together can bring us closer to God in a powerful way. And because good worship songs can touch us and encourage us and aid in teaching us God's truth, I think that we really need to go out of our way to make sure that we have a rich gospel diet in the songs we sing as well. A rich gospel diet in the songs that we sing. Mia, can you tell us what forms part of this diet? So some of the questions I ask myself when I'm looking for this rich diet in the songs. Um, first question is, can I see much of the song, um, what it says in the Bible? So this is not to say it has to be verse for verse, but it's more, you know, can I find references to the lyrics in scripture, how accurate it is um, to the gospel? And another thing is, does it focus on who I am, how I feel, or does it draw people to see who God is? I mean, of course, there are many good songs that talk about who we are in Christ, and that's really important. But I think that there is a problem when there's more mentioned about me than who Jesus is and what he has done. Another thing that's relating to the me point is that in our individualistic culture today, we need to be reminded that living for God is not just an individual business. Hebrews 3 points out to us that we need to encourage one another and so a healthy congregation, I think, would need songs about the church as a body that remind us of our collective identity in Christ. So while I'm saying this, I'm actually quite new to this approach. Uh, I've just been drawing all the wisdom of Peter York, who's Catherine's husband. Also, most songs I've found in church are about comfort, about confidence, but I found that there's definitely less on sin and judgment and warning. Um, and I think maybe that's a, a bit of a gap that we can look to fill in in the future. Thanks for that, Mia. That's really helpful. Uh, something I think we should probably mention at this point is that the author of Hebrews is encouraging these Jewish Christians not to harden their hearts. He's warning them with a song. He's quoting to them Psalm 95, which is a song. And I find that so interesting because in the 80s and 90s, Psalm 95 was turned into a praise song. Uh, it begins with talking about God as being a great king, worthy of praise and calling people to worship. But the warning part was completely cut off the end. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't make the same mistake. Uh, warning about the deceitfulness of sin and against hardening our hearts through unbelief. That's an important part of the call to worship and praise God. Yeah, and the fact that the author includes this Psalm 95 in his writing shows that 
he saw song as an effective way of communicating the message of God and to send these warnings to the Hebrews as well. And you know, Mindy, just another thought about worship music and how we can use it to fix our hearts on God is to not limit it to being just a part of a church service. Hebrews 3 verse 13 tells us that we need to be in tune with God every day. And so good worship music, while you know it's not the only means and it shouldn't in fact be the main means, but it is a useful tool to help us drench our hearts in God's word as we live our daily life, as we you know, go out into this world that's full of temptations to draw us away from him. And as we soak in his truths and allow our hearts to be touched, that is a powerful weapon against the deceitfulness of sin. Mia, I love the phrase you just used about drenching our hearts in God's word. What songs can you particularly recommend that will help us to drench our hearts in the truths and warnings of Hebrews chapter 3? I have a few songs that I can recommend to you, Mindy, and to those who are listening to us. Uh, The first of these is He Will Hold Me Fast by Getty Music. It's a really beautiful piece of music. And also, even more importantly, every line in this song is just gold. It gives such assurances that even when we fail to keep our hold, even when our love is cold, Christ is the one who holds us fast. And just as Hebrews 3 exhorts us to hold our confidence in him firm to the end, this song also encourages me to continue to put my trust in him. And why? Because my Savior loves me so. He has already bled and died for us, and he will hold us fast until our faith is turned to side when he comes at last. I find that just incredibly encouraging and just continuously reminding me to put my trust in him. Another song is Lord, I Need You by Matt Mayha. This song feels like an intimate prayer to me. Every time this line, oh God, how I need you, gets me because that's literally crying out the words of my heart. We really need our Lord's help to keep standing firm in him. And I like the first line that says, Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. It highlights that we find our rest when we come into God's presence and confess our sins before him. Also a beautiful part in this song is in the bridge where it asks for his protection against temptation. It says, teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Now I think this is such a beautiful imagery. Also, just to add, this song is also musically excellent. This is one of my favourites too, Mia. I love how it describes singing, which I assume is praising God, as a way of standing firm against temptation. And while it's an individual song, this is certainly something that singing together and encouraging one another can help us to do too. Yeah, absolutely. There's another song that touches actually on the gap that we talked about called Day of Judgment. There is a rendition by Christchurch Mayfair, and it's a lovely contemporary twist on a classic hymn with the words written by John Newton, who's also the composer of Amazing Grace. So this song paints a very comprehensive picture of the day of judgment. It shows us how majestic and awful the day is going to be when every knee bows before Jesus. And so it's one of the rare ones, you know, that probably doesn't get sung much. At the end, though, it delivers the important gospel message as it calls out to the sinner to come to Jesus and to receive his pardoning grace. 
One line I particularly like in this song is, when all earth and heaven melt away, gracious saviour, own me in that day. It sounds like a plea to God, but it also reminds us that we can't become complacent in our walk with God. We need to keep looking forward and keep holding firm until that day when the old heaven and earth pass away and the new heaven and earth are here. Thanks so much uh, for highlighting that one for us, Mia. It's really great that you've included a song about judgment because we really don't sing many about these at all. And this is part of that rich, balanced diet that you were talking about before. I'm glad you like it, Mindy. And just also linking to what we talked about previously as well, about singing as a collective. There's another song by Emu Music called We Belong to the Day. So this is a great song for spurring each other on as brothers and sisters in Christ. The emphasis of this song is, you know, we as a collective belonging to the day and it encourages us to walk in the light, to put on faith and love as our armour. And we do that because of the promise of salvation that waits for us. There is also a kid's song that I found for the parents out there this song, you're going to like it, I hope, because it's theologically sound and it's musically catchy and upbeat. So no cringe, no cheesiness there. It's called uh, Make Me Faithful by Sovereign Grace Kids. This song points out that Jesus was the one who was faithful in the first place and he remains faithful until the end, even if we stumble. And that's why we want to be faithful. It's because we want to be like him and because he is the faithful one. And to the hymns, because we can't miss hymns, right? They're just so full of riches of God's truth. So I have a hymn for you as well, and it's called, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. This is an age-old classic. I found this beautiful rendition of it, actually, by Mountain View Academy. It's a constant comfort to know that there is a love that will not let me go. And this is why God is faithful to us, and we can be confident in him. He's not just a distant superior being, but he holds us firm because he loves us. So this hymn covers an amazing range of gospel richness. So from the first verse, where we come to rest our weary soul in him and give our life to him, to the third verse that reminds us that his promise to us is not vain, and finally looking to our next life that shall be endless. So I think this song can really help us to remember that we come to God, that our life belongs to him and that we can look forward to his promises because of his love that doesn't let us go. Thanks so much, Mia. You've mentioned a few songs that I'm not too familiar with and I guess that's the whole point of this conversation. I'm looking forward to go away and to listen and sing and to be encouraged not to let my heart be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Would you pray for us as we close our song chat today? Sure, Mindy, I would love to. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful to us and we thank you that we can look forward to your promises to us because of your faithfulness. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to hold confidence in you to the very end, Lord. We pray that as we do this, you'll help us to encourage each other so that our hearts won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Lord, help us to live for you in this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this Grow Chat. We hope you found it as encouraging as we did, and we look forward to having you with us next time. Remember to share this episode with others and subscribe and leave us a review in your favourite podcast app.